Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we have been discussing Dutch Sheets' book, Intercessory Prayer. And in the last several episodes, we've been talking about his chapter on prayers of protection. And that's where we're going to pick up today. If you are following along in the book, we are on page 93. The heading is Building Boundaries Through Prayer. Now, he says here in his book, and he's speaking about protection, you've probably guessed by now that I don't believe it is automatically ours just because we are Christians. We must do things to secure it, one of which is building boundaries, paga in parentheses, of protection through prayer. So my question to you is, is there something that we need to do as Christians to have protection from God? What we need to do is believe his promises and be in Christ, which is accomplished through what he did for us. Yes. Okay. That's the key error in this entire movement. We've been on this for a long time, but because they're still going, they don't change. They don't repent. They don't ever allow themselves to be corrected. Dutch yes. still teaching the same thing as he did in 1996. Yes, a few episodes ago, we shared some recent quotes of him saying the exact same thing. Yeah. Nothing has changed. Yeah, the groups maybe change a little terminology or gain some new revelation, supposedly. But the leaders never, ever allow themselves to be corrected about anything. Right. They just ignore. And so the people below them get beat up, harmed, given false hopes and so on, and it really harms the people who believe them. But the top people just keep cruising along. They, they have the insight. They have the revelation. They know things you don't know, and you're probably going to get beat up because you didn't build your paga correctly. Right. Now, that is not biblical. Okay. And we've talked about this many times. The whole point is that those who are trusting Christ alone, whose sins are forgiven, who have a relationship with God, who are born of the Spirit, are blessed. Yes. Ephesians 1.3. And that blessed status is due to being in Christ, which is true for all who know him. Okay. And so there's this idea of corporate solidarity in the Bible. Those who are in Christ are one with him. And yes, we have growth and sanctification and a lifetime of learning and so on, but it doesn't change our status. Okay. As being in Christ. Yes. So recently I was thinking about that after one of the last times we recorded, I woke up thinking about this, about Saul of Tarsus in Acts and how he so radically changed. Okay. So he was there when Stephen gave this brilliant defense of the gospel and proclaimed Christ and was martyred for doing so. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. and Saul of Tarsus, holding the clothing of the ones that are doing the stoning, goes out breathing threats and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. So 
he's cursing those whom God has blessed. Okay. Yes. Stephen, what did he do to deserve to be stoned? Well, he preached the truth. Right. And so when he's confronted with Saul, who will be later becomes Paul, in his hatred and anger against Christians, confronted by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, what did Jesus say to Saul? Why are you persecuting me? Yeah, why are you persecuting me? Right. Well, how is it that threatening Christians, wherever he could find them, whoever they were, accounted as persecuting Christ? Right, because we are one with Christ. Yes. So there's, in in the Old and New Testaments, the idea of corporate solidarity. Yes. So those who are in Christ are one, and they are attached to the head, Jesus Christ. They're part of the body. And it doesn't matter which one they are. In other words, if you're some great gifted person like these apostles and prophets claim they are, these new okay. ones, which mostly they're false, mm-hmm. if you're an ordinary person who has the status of the gift of helps, yes, it doesn't matter because we can't know who's the greatest. Right. We're in Christ. So we're blessed not because we built a hedge of protection or we know the secret or we went to the seminar or we went to hear some guy who claims to go into the heaven and gain revelations or we know something these ordinary don't Christians don't know, but because we know Christ and he loves us. And so Saul attacking Christians was attacking Christ. Yes. Dear ones, if you're in Christ and you're trusting him, you are blessed. Right. And that status of being blessed, Ephesians 1, 3, and elsewhere, by the way, is not determined by looking at symptoms. Right. In other words, if you have problems, if you lost a job, if you have difficulties, whatever is going on in your life, if you are trusting Christ and you're in him, you're blessed. Yes. And the Bible is telling us that. Okay. Uh, I want to hear Jessica has some material she looked up on that from some of these passages in the Old Testament. And so our protection against ultimate harm, which would be the harm that would separate us from the love of God, that would keep us from our eternal inheritance, that would make us cursed rather than blessed, is based on a relationship with God through Christ, not on doing something as Dutch sheets falsely teach us. Right. His doctrine is you didn't do your part. Yes. Learn how to do your part. If I could sit down and talk with Dutch sheets, one of the things I think I'd want to ask him is, "What? well, what about Stephen? Did he forget to pray his prayer of protection? Where is martyrdom in their whole scheme? Um, it's hard to know how he would answer, but I have some, I, I haven't talked to him, but I've definitely in the eighties when I started, when I got out of that movement, I was in that kind of a movement. Yes. I spent years in there, got out because I saw all the harm coming to saints. And at the time I was young, I was in my twenties and some of the elderly people who were trusting God and faithful were 
ended up in despair. Right. They, as soon as trouble start coming into your life, you have to assume it's your fault. I would find that so crippling. It was. And I thought, this, is, this isn't right. The dear elderly saints who would do anything for these preachers and teachers who are supposedly the great people of God end up th- when they're in their 90s saying, what did I do wrong? Yes. And the, and the, the, the self-doubt and the fears. They weren't given hope and assurance. Right. And the guys that are doing the bad teaching just flit around from place to place, pick up honorariums, gain accolades, the great prophet of God. And the saints that are listening to it assume they failed. Yep. Now, that isn't right. Stephen didn't fail. No. Those ones that Paul or Saul was threatening, their sin was they trusted in Christ. Yes. Okay. And so here's the question. Are you blessed because you're in Christ? If you're trusting him alone on his terms, come to Christ through the gospel, turn to him and believe his promises. Or are you only blessed if you figured out how to learn what's going on in the realm of the spirits and ward off the attacks and build some wall of protection because you have to do your part according to how Dutch Sheets interprets the New Testament. Right. Well, and so when I was preparing for today, I searched the Bible for a hedge of protection, a wall of protection, boundaries of protection. I mean, that's people, even, even Christians that are fairly discerning will still say, I need to pray, pray a hedge of protection around whatever. And so I thought I want to see where this is coming from. And it's interesting because in all the passages I found, actually, I'll just read them <laughs> so you can see where this protection comes from. So it start, the first one was Job 1.10, and this is Satan speaking. Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all he has and on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. So now we can't put a whole lot of stock in what Satan says, but according to this, God had protected Job. Uh, then we've got Psalm 91.1, which we're actually going to come back to probably in the next episode. It says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So again, this isn't praying a hedge of protection or shelter around us. If we are in Christ, we are in under the shelter of the Almighty. We got Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Yeah, it's, it's all based on relationship, not on knowing some secret. Well, so, and here's another one where we see the flip side of, of that relationship. Isaiah 5, 5, and this is God speaking. And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. So now Israel is out of relationship with God. They've rebelled and God's the one removing the right. wall. In the case of Job, um, there's a demonstration that as 
um, God removed some protection. Yes. Time. A lot of people, his wife turned against him. They weren't sure what's going on. But when God came and spoke, there were things that they didn't understand. Right. Job ends up in, um, learning more about God and his ways. And Job is in the Bible, so we learn. Yes. Okay. So this is throughout the Bible. I know we've talked about Balaam in the past. Yes. He wanted to curse Israel at the point when they were in right relationship. And he couldn't do it. But we know from the New Testament that Balaam, uh, I think it was Balak that wanted him to hire him. He said later, he said, well, we know this from the New Testament. Give them your women and seduce them. Right. You can't directly curse them. They're right with God. But if you get them to rebel against God and do what Yahweh doesn't want them to do, they'll curse themselves. Right. And that's exactly what happened, according to uh, Balaam, as mentioned in the New Testament. So it's always relational, not based on technique or secret knowledge or utterances. Yes. It's relational. Right. And I looked up the context of a lot of these, and none of them had anything to do with somebody praying that hedge of protection. Yes. And even, I mean, the entire Bible teaches this. Yes. How they get out of Egypt. Well, Moses, there's a long story. They were in Egypt for a long time, I think 400 years, and they were being mistreated and what have you. Moses killed this guy, ran away, ended up in, with the Midianites. And many years later, the burning bush is where he actually hears from Yahweh directly. Yes. And that's a really good example of God's sovereign protection, though. The Hebrew midwives who wouldn't kill the babies and and uh, his mother, Jacobed, you know, floating him in the basket and the, the, the princess is right there. I mean, all of these things, God sovereignly protects Moses and God sovereignly protects Israel, not because of what they have done, but because of who he is. And he was keeping his promises to the patriarchs. Yes. Hundreds of years earlier, I've gotten emails lately from people who hear some of our teachings say, well, so you're claiming God is silent. That's what they're accusing us of. Okay. Which, no, we're really not claiming, but God has spoken through his word. We're saying God has spoken. Yes. And those sort of emails show me that most Christians are lacking an understanding of the doctrine of providence. Mm -hmm. They don't understand Romans 8. They don't understand the history of the Bible. Um, so the, for, for those 400 years when they were in Egypt, yeah, uh, was God silent? No. Well, he, he was taking care of them, but there was no prophet speaking in the name of God. Right. But he was still there, and they still had... They had the promise yeah, that was given to the patriarchs. Right. So us having promises given by Christ and his apostles, carrying us along until he comes, is not the equivalent of God being silent. No. And as we gather around the means of grace as a church and we share God's word with one another and we fellowship together, 
that is not God being silent either. That's how we hear from God, through his word and through the means of grace. So we're saying God has spoken. She's saying God is speaking, and I hear it. And if you were, if you knew what you were doing, you'd hear God speaking too in some way so you could build your hedge of protection. You need to get special revelation. Now, think about, I, I wish some of these hotshot leaders would think about the well-being of the saints. Yes. Because there's a lot of people who are far more honest who are realizing that they're needy and that they don't think they get these special words from God or visits to heaven like the Todd Bentleys of the world get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they go to the meetings hoping to get some of this or whatever. And things still go wrong and they assume that they failed. Right. I've seen that my entire life. And that's why I want to help people who get into that condition. Yes. The top people either hide their own problems or act, they get themselves presented as the great man of God or woman of God who gets all the revelations come to my meeting and gain the secret, how, how to go to the secret place. Right. He's got an email. I keep getting emails from Todd Bentley about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's what I responded to someone who accused us of saying God is silent. So how did Israel survive in, is- in Egypt until Moses came along? And even Moses, as you said, ending in the, ending up in that ark and all the things that happened, Midian, he didn't actually hear special revelation from God until the burning bush. Yes. I, where God revealed himself as Yahweh. But the promises were still being kept. There was a mighty people being blessed in, in, in Israel. And then God gave the instructions of the Passover and how they're going to come out. Okay. So... The apostles, the prophets are saying, you have to have miracle, 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 miracle all the time. Right. If you don't, then God's not speaking, you're not listening, and you're not protected. Okay. That's just flat out not true. And Moses was protected in that ark of bulrushes as an infant before anybody heard some special revelation. Yes. So I would say their doctrine is deficient, weak, unbiblical, and it tends to create a spiritual hierarchy of the haves and have-nots. And the ordinary Christians are far more honest about what life is like, are the ones who become the victims of these false teachers. Yes. One thing we talked a lot about when we did this series on spiritual warfare is our need to stand in the gospel. And as I'm listening to what you have to say here, that really is is what we need to do. We have the word of God. God has spoken. We need to believe it, and we need to stand firm in the gospel. Right. So the, the Holy Spirit is actively at work in our lives. God still does miracles. Yes. But there's no new authoritative binding revelation of the manner that Christ and his apostles gave. Yes. So somebody stands up and says, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt. And then they go, 
they say something, they can't be derived as a valid implication application of scripture. Right. And I can safely ignore them. Yes. Well, and I think, so we don't have very long, but I want to talk about this story that he shares because it shows how they come to this conclusion rather than showing us from God's word where it says we need to do this. They have anecdotes. So here's kind of, and anyone who's been involved in this movement, this is what you hear. You call them miracle guidance stories Mm -hmm. or just, so here's the situation. And this actually comes up a couple times in this chapter. He's talking about a minister in Fort Worth and the story of another pastor. So there's two stories here. They both have to do with snakes. In this one on page 93, he says, one particular day, however, this is the man praying who always prayed for an hour a day. One particular day, however, he felt a strong leading of the Holy Spirit to pray longer. So he continued to pray for a second hour. After two hours, he still felt the need to keep on praying. So he persevered for a third hour, asking for God's protection and blessing on his day, as well as for other things. He then felt released from the need to pray longer. So he stopped that evening as he was mowing his lawn, he felt something repeatedly brush up against his leg. He looked down and saw a coiled rattlesnake trying to strike him, but it just couldn't hit him. Instead, it kept brushing either side of his leg. Okay. So we've got a story of protection and a story of prayer, but does it necessarily follow that if he hadn't prayed for three hours, he wouldn't have been protected? Well, there's there's so much information. There's no way to know that. Yes. How many things happen or don't happen in any 24-hour period in everyone's life? Right. We don't know anything like that. The tree... The tree out here didn't fall on the house when the wind was blowing. Yeah. Which just happened, by the way. We had this big storm and 40, 50 mile an hour winds. Well, these that's what life is like. Yes. See, our assurance isn't that no tree will ever fall and harm any of our property or that no bad thing will ever happen or I'll never stub my toe or uh, and fall down. Things happen to everybody. Yes. We pray because we have access to the throne of grace and we know the Lord. He loves us and we love him and it's relational. Yes. Okay. And if something undesirable does happen, I don't assume that, well, I should have prayed longer. Right. Okay. So this is the stories always favor the leaders. Yes. And Uh, the point they're trying to make. Yeah. The group that I was in in the 70s, where Jessica was a little girl when we were in there, the guy that started that group had stories he told. And he started the place by seeing a lady make a deposit in the bank. And he told a story um, where he felt the Lord told told him to ask, give me $10,000 for the kingdom. Oh, wow. And she did. Oh, no. There's stories, and that's sort of led to buying the place where we ended up. And then there was all these people turning their money in and living in this community. And he's told stories about how he would go somewhere, and he'd see a place, and the Lord would tell him, buy it for the kingdom. And then he'd tell people that story, and then they'd 
by a place for the kingdom. As we've said, uh, the kingdom of God doesn't have a zip code. Yes. <laughs> uh, the kingdom of God isn't based on apostles or prophets or spiritual leaders owning property. That's just not right. The categories are wrong. But see, the people that are part of it want to get in on it. Yes. So if you become part of the Apostles of Prophets movement, you by def you you gain some of the glory because you went to the Todd Bentley meeting. Right. Or, That's what they'll have you believe. Well, of course they do, or whoever it may be. Mm -hmm. uh, the guy out in Reading, uh, yeah. Bill Johnson, whoever. You 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 gain something by being there, and that's about it. Yeah. If you ask people, well, what do they preach and teach? And some say, well, it's stories. Right. It's always miracle guidance stories. The leaders have stories about how God told them something, and they did certain things and got a good outcome. Okay. And so that's a good way to create a bunch of Job's comforters, because... Job at the time when in a divine council meeting, God interacted with Satan. And what happened was for our benefit, for in the end, Job is blessed. Yes. But in the meantime, they didn't know that. They didn't know what was going on. Okay. And until God comes and speaks, they don't know. So when we're saying God has spoken, here's what we know that's more profound than what you get from the apostles and prophets who are giving you new words from God that may or may not be true. Okay. We know that God has saved us because we've turned to Christ by his grace. We have a relationship with him. He's our father. Messiah is interceding for us at the right hand of the father, God, the son, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, according to the will of God, Romans 8. And we are blessed and we are saved. I don't need some supernatural secret knowledge about some potential harm that I act on by praying so many hours until the snake isn't going to bite me. Okay. And this, is, this, this sort of thing props up the leaders, but it discourages the saints because they're never quite sure they have that. Right. If you're honest enough to say, well, I have an idea in my mind. Maybe it's from God. Maybe it's not. Uh, or if everybody's saying, well, God said this or God said that, you have so many conflicts, you have instability. Yeah. So then the top person, in our case, so with Jack Winter, his word from God trumps everybody else's. Yep. And his motto, he said over and over again, whoever hears from God has the authority. Right. And by definition, that was him. Okay, of course. Better stories, better outcome than anybody else. Mm -hmm. When it started to change and some people said, no, this isn't right. This is not how you handle money. Jack Winter says, you're not hearing from God. Okay. And he wanted anyhow. Yeah. So dear saints, those apostles and prophets that you think are great people of God, if you still think that way, 
they're by definition the ones who hear from God. Right. And if your word from God doesn't fit with theirs, you're not going to have any standing whatsoever. Okay. Okay. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you're trusting in him, you are blessed. And that status of being cared for, protected, loved, blessed, and carried, the word in Romans 8 means carried, brought, okay. led, carried all the way to glory. You can have that, or you can have some prophet that speaks from God about the secret things in heaven, and it won't do you any good because you're not him. Yep. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week. <laughs>